right. We are joined by Michael Barkley, who is an award-winning music journalist, a best-selling author as well. And you have a new book that just came out, Hearts on Fire. Thanks for having me. We're, we're glad to have you. So if I can just read what Arkell's Max Kerman said about that. He said your book is a must-read for anyone who wants to celebrate the golden age of Canadian indie rock music as it's 2000 to 2005. What was your motivation behind those particular years? There were two motivations. One was that uh, I just thought the music was so great. I mean, there's always been great Canadian music before mm-hmm. and after that time period, but um, every month something else would just be totally blowing my mind. And it didn't sound like Canadian music from before. I mean, this wasn't a bunch of music that all sounded like Neil Young, you know, right. or Rush. Like, it was, <laughs> it was really kind of all over the place. And then the, the creativity and music was so strong. And the second thing is that the rest of the world actually cared. Yeah. And Canada has always been very good at, at pop stars or big rock bands, you know, Loverboy or, or Celine Dion. And, and a lot of our major exports sound like either one of those two people, you know. Right. And, and, um, and this was really everything. It was, it was kind of when the weirdos won. Um, and people taking a really kind of unconventional approach. And also, you know, it's a huge technological shift in the music industry, and I think that that benefited a lot of Canadians as well. Right, and with this, you you conducted a ton of interviews. Are you one of those guys that if a band that you know or you you think you could be interested in, are you at all of these shows? Well, back then I certainly was. I'm an older man now. (laughs) Um, Weren't we all, let's be honest. (laughs) This is 20 years ago we're talking. But yeah, I was, and I, I was conscious that, something special was happening it really felt like it and and you know I, I i kept a gig diary at the time like i was taking a lot of notes as well as you know i i'm a music writer so i was interviewing a lot of people and reviewing records and reviewing shows i had a lot of my own research from back then to draw upon right um but uh yeah i mean a, a lot of it was just so fun and that was the difference too like in the in the 90s i felt like people didn't have fun at rock shows they kind of stood there and nodded their head you know and it's like what are we at the right. symphony what's happening here and uh I really feel like there's a real sense of excitement in the audiences during this time period. Is there any bands that you went to see that maybe, you know, I mean, I think we've all experienced this somewhat. You go to see a band for the first time and they're new. They're mm-hmm. babies. It's, you know, their first time. But you heard them and you were like, wow, these guys are going to be something. This band has got something special. Any of those bands come across? Yeah, there's a little band um, that did pretty well. They're called Arcade Fire. Um, <laughs> yeah, they and, did okay. Uh, they did okay. They're on Saturday Night Live next week and yeah. <laughs> uh, um, playing the Junos and you know all kinds of things. Uh, definitely, them. I mean, seeing them in a room with 30 people in it, you know, obviously mind blowing. Um, and um, and lots of other ones too. Bands like the Constantines or, or the Hidden Cameras or um, yeah, kind of too many to mention. But um, Arcade Fire's you know, I, I put a picture of them on the cover. Uh, they're, they're obviously the most commercially successful of, right. of the artists I'm talking about in this book. Um, Leslie Feist would be um, a close second, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, she did very well. Uh, and uh, Tegan and Sarah as well. Um, those are yeah. kind of the three largest uh, uh, commercial acts in, in the book, I think. Did you ever get a chance to interview Sam Roberts? Yeah, Sam Roberts is a dream interview I who know. speaks in full paragraphs, <laughs> and he's very intelligent and thoughtful and funny. I, I love talking to Sam Roberts. He's... I interviewed him for my Tragically Hip book as well, and I, oh, I really good. enjoyed him. Yeah, yeah, he was an absolute sweetheart. We had him in the studio, and his uh, his publicist was like, "Sam, we got to go. You know, we we got to be somewhere. I'm good. I'm going to stay here." And he did. He stayed like for the longest time with us. Just, <laughs> and I've I've talked to other people that have interviewed him as well, and they've all said the same thing: like one of Canada's nicest guys. 
And the other thing is, I mean, this time out, I was talking to him about his own music and career. Last time, I was talking to him about the tragic of the hip, but and, but this time, I also got him to talk about his friends in the Sears. Um, ah. And and he was very close uh, with them. They kind of came up in in the same scene and um, and shared some band members uh, for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, not only is he he's obviously very articulate talking about his own work, but uh, he's just very generous when talking about others. Well. Yeah. Yeah, kind-hearted guy, for sure. So Hearts on Fire, the book just came out. So where can people find that? Uh, at your favorite local bookstore. Perfect. I'm hoping to come to London to do a book event. I'm just trying to uh, set some things up now. So oh, uh, cool. I don't know where you go for, for book reading listings, but uh, check those, and I hope to be there sometime <laughs> this summer. And that's not the only book you were talking about, too, that you did a, a hip book, The uh, Never-Ending Present, The Story of Gordani and The Tragically Hip. How did that come about? Because the hip are very very private yeah how'd you get in there i didn't (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) um no that was um uh and i totally understand particularly at that time it was written um in the last year of cordowney's life um so even if he had wanted to be interviewed i'm not sure he would have been uh, physically or mentally capable of of it um and it was obviously a very sensitive time so they didn't participate in the book at all but i did talk to you know people who produced their records right uh people who used to manage the band uh a lot of their friends i kind of uh, painted a, a portrait a composite portrait um around the band and obviously you know researched things they've said in the past and i did i had interviewed gord in the past so i had other stuff to draw on there but um yeah they weren't they weren't directly involved in it so it is very much and you know what? One day they will do their own thing. I mean, uh, yeah. Gord's brother Mike is working on a, a, a docu-series right now. And, and I think that'll be, you know, their version of the story. But I, I feel I, I feel there should be many versions of all these stories. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and my book, I really think, is, is, is their story through other people around it. And it gives more perspective as well, you know? And I didn't feel like I had to, like, just parrot everything the band said because you know i include some criticism in the book from other people and and right uh, you know some things didn't go that well and and um so I, I feel like mine was a more complete portrait and and one day soon i think we'll we'll hear from them but i also think at that moment in time which was so emotionally sensitive in the whole right. country was like what is happening why do we all care about this guy so much why was that final show so huge yeah i just think it was really important to to capture that emotional moment and put that in a book like immediately and that, that's, that's what that book is. that's amazing because i know for for us here working in radio that was one of the toughest days which day the day he died the day he died well also the day he announced the diagnosis i remember that, that being was... very emotional as well i mean you know i mean anyone who's lived with someone with a terminal disease um you know when the end comes it's kind of like it's it's, it's not a surprise but the, like the real shock is the announcement and, and that uh, i remember that being a, a very emotional day yeah, the calls that, that we got in uh, both both of those days, just heartbreaking. Just people oh, that maybe were going through similar things or mm-hmm. knew someone that was going through similar things or just, you know, to them, the hip was the band that they grew up on, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, they, they well, have a close connection. That's what fascinated me was this really public um, uh, display of mortality, which we don't see. Normally people die and we don't even know they're sick. You know, nobody knew uh, Neil Peart was sick, right, right. when he died. And I saw... Um, the other members of Rush talking recently about how he told them not to tell anybody. Like he was, he was very proud. He didn't want anybody to know. And he died of the exact same terminal brain cancer that Gord did. But so, you know, or, or Prince or Bowie, like they just disappear. Yeah, nothing. Right? And then, but Gord was like, <laughs> I've got this going on <laughs> and uh, we're going on the road. And that, that had never been done before in rock and roll history. That's the other thing that fascinated me. Like I, I researched, like who else has done this? And there had been, you know, 
uh, there was a guitarist in the Beach Boys who toured when he had cancer. And, uh, you know, Glenn Campbell toured with Alzheimer's, which is a whole other story. Right. So did John Mann of Spirit of the West. And, right, uh, yeah. Uh, Sharon Jones, uh, uh, R&B singer, performed with pancreatic cancer. But this was like the, um, but those people aren't as popular as Gord Downey is in Canada. Right, right. You know? And, and, and so to have someone playing like hockey arena with this uh, debilitating condition that affects your memory and everything else. He had uh, the, the prompters in front of him, right? Yeah. yeah. So that, that had never happened before. And that, that's why it was an international story. You know, the, yeah. the, rest of, the hip did have fans around the world. Canadians like to pretend they didn't, but they did. <laughs> They're not just ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, but they never had international media interested in them. Right. But with this announcement, like this was covered in the BBC, this was covered all over Europe, this was covered in Stone, like in the States. Um, after he died, there's he was in the memorial reel, the Grammys. Like this was huge international news because yeah. it was so unusual. Just the strength that that it would take. Yeah. Powerful moment, a powerful year. So that is that. So it's basically you were saying your book sort of focuses on the last year there. No, it tells their whole story, but okay. it also, um, the other thing is that I, I felt like people were getting it wrong about the hip. People were just like, hey, they sing about Canada. Isn't that great? I'm like, right. no, no, no. There's a whole <laughs> bunch of things going on here. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, there's like Gord Downey's book of poetry, you know, and then the, the, the 2016 was also the year Bob Dylan won the Nobel and people were like, oh, can rock singers be poets? And, and so I kind of right. talked about that a bit. And then there was like their, their, their deep love of, of hockey. Yes. Um, you know, and there was their, their benevolence toward opening bands, uh, how they kind of really nurtured a next generation of musicians. So, like, I really wanted to, every second chapter in that book is, is, is uh, explores one of those themes about the hip while, right. and while also telling the straight-through narrative. And then also, obviously, you know, the, the impact of Secret Path and residential schools. Yes. Um, and yeah. then there is a chapter where I, I kind of, what I was just talking about with, with kind of like, well, who else faced mortality publicly and, and what did they do in the last, year of their life you know artistically so the book was about all it, it was both a straightforward biography and also exploring all those other things i love that so if you're a hip fan you've got to check out the never ending present the story of gord downey and the tragically hip michael thank you so much for chatting with us thank you so much for having me it's, really? it's great to talk about both books together i really appreciate it thank you so much okay thank you